again, fans of Chatterbox. This is another episode of Chatterbox Video Game Radio, and my name is Alon. And I'm Ara. So, last week, we, uh, we ended the show with... I guess we do this a lot. We come up with a topic that's interesting, and then we end short. Oh, yeah. Way? It was getting uh, pretty hot and heated. Well, I feel like in your head it was getting hot and heated, and not so much for me. Perhaps. <laughs> but uh, it was... So I played some more Super Mario 3D World today before before coming over here to do the show. And it reminded me of that discussion that you and I were having where I was saying that it looked better than all of the next-gen games that I've seen. Oh, yeah. And I haven't seen many. I actually think that we were kind of talking past each other at the end there. A little bit. And then we had an argument after the show about it. Which really should have been part of the show. Yeah. You know, time constraints and all. But... Uh, so I wanted to bring that up again, if you'll, if you'll humor me, Aura. Yeah, and I'll ask you to humor me, too. So one of the issues you and I were having was an understanding of, I guess, when, when I was saying it looks better, right, how do you define better? Yeah, I was, I was basically making the point that I think that it's, it's now truly subjective in terms of what looks good, that our technology is to the point now that it's truly, truly subjective in the same way that music is subjective. And some people like uh, what broken spaceships sound like. And some people don't like that as music to listen to and so on. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's that's true, right? Art is you know, in the eye of the beholder, they say. But when I say looks better, what I was trying to say was, you know, the lines are cleaner. The textures look good. Like, I don't see any seams between polygons and i was i was saying or i through subtext i was saying that seeing polygons seeing all that stuff is bad now you might say well someone likes the look of a polygon right because people like retro right and that's and that's what i said i said i said that there's there's value and well no there's just value in doing things of a style and i consider if you can see polygons, a polygonal a p- polygonal looks can be a style. Is my point? Okay, so so let me rephrase. I think it looks smoother, and the textures look cleaner, and uh, I see fewer polygons, which I deem as bad um, on Super Mar- or in the Super Mario 3D World game than I do in other games. Right, like everything. Basically, everything looks perfect, and I'm I'm guessing Nintendo implements some sort of tricks like they did in was it Super Mario 64, right? Where they had, you know, they had the sphere cannonballs that would roll at you, but really it was just a 2D sprite that was made to look like a sphere. Yeah, they, they have they have tons of techniques like that. Yeah. It's very polished. I think that your assessment of how polished it is. I mean, I totally agree with that. It's for, or let me put it this way, right? For the look that they were going for, right? Which is a style that does not intend to show you the individual pixels or vertices of a model. It was very, very, very well done. So, so I would ask you, what do you think it is about Nintendo's production that is more complete or perfected than others because I know that you know lots of other designers also want to hide seams and right you know do, well, well here's the interesting look as polished thing. as Nintendo did yeah so I think that okay I think that they chose the style that they chose in terms of visuals was one that lent itself really well to uh, for lack of a better phrase being really successful with it. So, for example, there's not a huge amount of detail in the looks of that game. And that's good for the style they're going for because they want to... If you're not drawing tons and tons of stuff on the screen, then you have some processing available for, let's say, uh, something like making everything really smooth and doing crazy anti-aliasing everywhere because that costs a lot. Right. So the problem with something like, okay, we were talking about Killer Instinct last week after the show. 
problem with that game is that they have so much that they're pushing in all different directions, so much detail, right? So many particles, so many textures, so many layers of things, all this other stuff that something has to give. And I think what Nintendo did, and one thing that, I mean, this is part of the practice of art, is that they they chose their problem set so that it would be easy to make it look really good within that problem set. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there was th- that level of forethought that you're suggesting, but I mean, I, I think the, ar- the argument is probably still solid, right? right. Well, they probably didn't need to because the subject of Super Mario Brothers naturally lends itself to a, you know, once again, for lack of a better phrase, a relatively simplistic composition of things on the screen. There's not a huge amount of stuff, right? They're not going for super detail. That's not what Mario is about. Lots and lots of like really tiny granular details of the look. I mean, I would say that there's detail. It's just they're not trying to make it look realistic. Right. And that's, you know, you know what, what else? That's one of the reasons why realism has had so many problems in video games is because once you try to make something realistic, you have to do all of this complex stuff. Whereas if you go for a stylized look, you don't have to do all the complicated things and you can present things to whoever's viewing or watching or playing or whatever uh, in, a, in a much better way because you, have, you just have more latitude because you're going with... You pick the simpler style on purpose, right? And they didn't have to with Mario because Mario is already uh, in that style already. But that's why, that's why style, stylistic stuff, in my opinion, is a lot better than realistic stuff. I mean, bottom line, I'm going to say that Nintendo, whatever they do, however it it turned out, or I should say, whatever the reasons are, it is a fine-looking title, and considering that it's underpowered compared to these others, right? Like, I just, whatever it is they did, it's beautiful. And I look at that, and I wonder why other, you know, other people aren't doing things that are as good. And I wonder if there's just... Well, the other thing, too, I think, is that they, Nintendo, much more than other developers, has the luxury of taking their sweet time with stuff. And that is always the biggest factor, I think, in whether your resulting product is really polished or not. You just have to spend more time with it. You just have to spend a lot more time with it to, to work out all of those kinks and stuff like that. I suppose. Then then the question arises, why do they get more time than other people? I mean, they still have a, a bottom line, right? Well, right. Well, because they're, they're, their, one, they're their own company, right? So they don't have an external force. They don't have another publisher pressuring them. So they can do things on their own terms. And I also believe that more than most other companies, they value taking extra time with a product and putting extra cost and resource into it, whereas, unfortunately, most other developers are pressured by publishers, right? I mean, it's the publisher, really, who they they feel like they're making this um, opportunity cost deal where it's like, okay, well, if we put more money into the game, then um, that's going to uh, result you know, that may not net us even more money, right? Because you invest more money into the game. So now you have to make even more on, you know, when you're selling the game for that to have been worthwhile. And I I get the feeling like most publishers, um, I don't even want to say it's a feeling, it's pretty obvious, that they, they take the short end of the stick and they would rather do less and spend less so that uh, they don't have to feel pressured to have to make even more. Uh, Whereas Nintendo very well understands that when you spend more money and put it at that has a really uh, synergistic effect and I mean who knows who knows if the amount of time you put in the amount of money extra money you put in like okay we're going to spend three more months on this game or another six months or whatever uh, who knows if that actually the extra money you spent actually you got a return on I mean it's hard to make that calculation so this relates to what we were talking about last week about how you know, do you rush things? Is it is it financially? Yeah, exactly. To push it's, out? So, it's like a uh, it's kind of 
it's an impo- it's kind of like an impossible choice every time. You just have to go with your gut because every situation is different and you never have enough information to make the proper choice. There. But let's let's look at the information we have, right? So right. Nintendo, if I go through a quick list, Super Mario at least in the US, Super Mario Brothers and then 2 and 3 and World and Yoshi's Island, which is Super Mario World 2, uh that's 5 Super Mario 64 and then there was Sunshine and galaxy and galaxy 2 and super mario 3d world and that's not counting all the 3ds games and other mobile games there's probably something on the order of like 50 yeah there's a lot so so what's your point right my point is that uh, you don't see 50 different well you see a lot of sonic games but (laughs) you don't see 50 different versions of other people's games right nintendo put a lot of work into into this franchise and a lot of their games such that they can live forever and continue making money and then you look at stuff like crash bandicoot which pretty quickly dissolved at least in in the minds of i think real gamers who like the first game or, or the second one right yeah you know that, activision has that ip now and sony's trying to get it yeah back. they're thinking about doing something with it again but you know mario has been polished from the beginning people have loved it every time almost every time and it continues to to carry on for that reason right and then you look at other ones and you're like all right well you know other companies make games and they don't put the money in to really polish this stuff so they don't live forever so they don't continue bringing in revenue so i would argue that doing a good job when you really look at the long term which at this point is almost 30 years uh it does pay off and it's a shame that those other companies aren't aren't willing to put in that, that yeah. kind of an effort because it'd be better product in the short term and a better product in the long term on the face of it, it does seem like it's, it is like that. It's like a long-term versus short-term proposition. And we all know Nintendo's definitely in it for the long-term because they have been. But maybe smaller publishers might want to emphasize it. We'll be back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back once again. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So, I'm ready to put that topic to bed. Yeah, okay. I am. It's making me pretty tired, too. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you have next? Well, played any cricket games lately? No. No, I haven't. And if this is what I think it is, it would seem not a lot of other people have successfully played cricket games lately, either. So, you may not know this, because I didn't. Apparently, there is a long history of cricket games. I did know that there were some. I didn't know it was terribly popular, but... Of course, I mean, named the game after is popular. famous cricket people who we have no idea who they are because we don't play cricket in, in this country at all. But, but before we go on, can I ask, like, do you understand cricket? Do you know how it works? There's a ball and there's paddles and there's a bunch of people. And there's like these wickets and you have just run back and forth between um, these things. I don't, I don't really understand the rules, though. Yeah, this is, this is the extent of okay. my cricket knowledge. So the point is, you and I both not knowledgeable about this. So right. now what and probably you, everybody else in this country. What you do know about it. Can you imagine even making or playing a game about cricket? Let's say it was a, a perfectly polished, wonderful version of video cricket. Look. Like I, how much could there possibly even I mean baseball is horrible in video game format, but cricket? Look, if I was I don't I don't want to knock cricket too much because if it was culturally significant from my culture then I'd probably want to play a video game about it. No, but it, it might sure. be fun in real life. Yeah. But you I mean 
how much can you really do with pushing a button to to swing a paddle to hit a ball? We already know that in baseball, that's that's pretty boring, right? You maybe aim your bat a little bit. You well, swing base, and hope baseball you hit. is legendary for its reputation of boringness, but that doesn't uh, eliminate the millions of fans. Because those people love. like playing in real life, but then you play video version yeah. of baseball, and it's miserably dull. Right, but people people love that too, especially the statistical component of it. And I would imagine that that would be a similar attraction to cricket. You think for the stats? Um, I'm just going to presume. Sure, why not? I mean, all right. Well, I don't even know how that could be fun, but some, but okay. Some people really like numbers. Anyway, the whole reason why we're talking about cricket is because something something really unusual happened. Okay, so there's this game called Ashes Cricket 2013, and it went on Steam for sale, and then a couple people bought it. And it and then, came off of Steam. And then it actually got pulled from Steam. This comes, by the way, from our friend Joe. It got pulled from Steam because it was so bad. And the publisher, who was 505 Games, they actually wrote a statement. And I want to read a quote from it because it's uh, it's fantastic. I've just, I've never, I couldn't ever even fathom that anyone would ever say something like this. I couldn't even fathom that this situation would have ever came up because you think, I mean, you just think to yourself, how did they, why did they decide after the fact that it wasn't good enough? Like with somebody, there was somebody dropped the ball there because if it's so bad that you have to pull it. Well, they weren't the ones you... that pulled it. I think Steam, Steam opted to pull it. Like Valve said, this is coming off the store. I have I haven't read all this stuff enough, but I believe that's what happened. Valve pulled it. Is that so? Yeah, not the company. Well, but I, okay. I could be. T- I, you know what? I shouldn't even say. I could be totally wrong. But from the very little I read, I I thought like pulled from Steam meant that Steam pulled it, and maybe they made a statement afterwards, like yeah, it was a good thing they pulled it. But it's it's a good point whether it's true or false because that's the most plausible outcome. Although if that wasn't the case, then yeah, somebody totally dropped the ball. But anyway, check this quote out. So this is coming from 505 Games, which is the publisher and not the developer. They said the chosen developer, even with their many years of cricket development experience, that's a niche talent, was unable to, that part wasn't in the quote, was was unable to overcome the unexpected challenges that the chosen game engine threw up, even with multiple extensions to the development schedule. At the start of the project, 505 Games received all assurances from the developer that the engine was up to the task of creating a dynamic, cutting-edge cricket game for the modern age across multiple platforms, and unfortunately those assurances were found to be misplaced. I find it interesting that they don't frame this as being the developer's fault, that they frame it as being the engine's fault. Oh yeah, no, that's exactly what I heard when you read it. Like, I'm sure the engine is totally up to the task. Well, it's all the programmer. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know what engine they used. Uh, so let me put it this but, way: but it's any probably, engine modern day should be able to handle a cricket game. It's probably likely that you're right. Uh, maybe they just made a really bad decision, and they're using like the uh, amoeba simulator engine that can only model amoebas. Okay, I'm going to cut that one off right now. Yeah. So yeah. So um, that's all I have to say about that one. Yeah, that they just weren't even, even after pulling it, weren't willing to admit that they screwed up rather than, like, passing the blame to something else. Well, the thing, too, though, is I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's exactly that because there's – th- the way I'm reading this is that the publisher is showing the developer respect by not uh, throwing them under the bus, as it were, as, as neurotic a uh, – phrases i think that well, you is. know what because if they did that they would also have to admit they'd be throwing themselves under the bus that they didn't do the necessary qa for their developer i mean it's the publisher pays a developer to make a game for them and it is basically their ass on the line yeah they're the ones saying this is our game well everyone's ass developer and publisher so i mean they both lost face here but yeah. i think what they're doing here is that the publisher is kind of treating the developer with kid gloves and giving them the benefit of the doubt but I just I look at it this way, right? Like, so you have ideas for games in your head, and you've thrown around the idea of like, hey, I, I want to build this game, maybe a, a mobile game, start out on my own. Maybe I'll hire a developer to put this, you know, or a, a coder to put a game together, right? It would still be 
an Arashirinian game, right? Although the coder might be known as the guy who coded it, right? It's you, if it screws up, it's your game. You paid for its development. You had the ideas, whatever, even though somebody else coded it. Right. You wouldn't be passing the blame, or if you did pass the blame onto the coder, they'd be like, no, no you were the one who designed it. You were the one who were responsible for everything, even if somebody else did the actual. Right. Unless the coder work. is like a marquee name and everybody, and it's and it's advertised who they are. Right. I mean, if the developer is a known developer, then the developer is going to get the flack, too. Yeah, uh, that's true. Even more so if they're even bigger known, right? But they should have just been like, yep, we released a crappy game. So that sucks. But uh, yeah. Okay. I'm just curious how it could be so crappy and like, well, it's and still be willing just, to even pull the trigger and release it. It was just so broken. It was just completely broken, like things disappearing, like the ball uh, thing. Yeah. So. But, do. Like, I know that we let some bugs go. We talked about this last week, right? Like, there are known bugs. Yeah, everything is. Inevitably, there's still bugs when you release it. Some more than others. But if it's so bad that you can't play it, why would the publisher even say we're going to release it? We, they just know that it's going to make them look bad. What, something that may have happened is, based on some of the comments that I read about this topic, this goes back to the whole... How how shoddy you think can you release right? Because you save money by releasing shoddy. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there was a period of time where Codemasters did something like that, where they they just really just crapped out games, and it was more cost effective for them to just crap something out and make the twenty people who bought it upset than either pull the pull it completely or, or some other alternative. I'm, I'm just saying if it was so bad it had to get pulled in such a short duration, like everyone knew it was bad and there's – at some point you just have to eat your lunch and be like, all right, yeah, we put a bunch of money into this and it didn't work. We have to forget about yeah. it. You know, regardless of right. who regardless of who decided to pull it, it's – the fact that it just got to that point in the first place, it's somebody made a huge mistake somewhere. Is there another example of something like this happening? I'm not sure. I haven't heard of it. The the most analogous thing I can think of is just uh, game game stopping bugs in AAA releases that then get patched, right? Like if you if you do this and then save the game, your save yeah. will completely get lost. Stuff like that. Yeah, this was this must have been so bad that they weren't even really at alpha yet. In other words, it wasn't even the, the all of the features weren't even functioning. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a dumb move. Yeah. All so. right. So don't do that if you plan on making games in the future. <clears throat> All right. We've, we've got we... lots of other stuff on the slate today, though. Do you want to go to pirating free-to-play games or uh, lag and Tekken? Uh, let's do the piracy one. All right. I'm curious how that how that's going to play out. So check this out. I never actually even considered this until I saw this piece on this uh, on Gamma Sutra. And the question is, it's a really interesting topic because. If a game is free to play and you cheat to play the game, is that considered piracy is the question. Well, it depends. What what sort of cheating are we talking about? Like using a, a code, one of those uh, game modifying hex things? Apparently. Like a game shark? It seems that a lot of free to play games, they actually keep a lot of information on the client side, which is your, your machine. And apparently there are many games who do this in a not-so-encrypted way. They just have an XML file that you could open up and look at and change some variables in. And this is how some people cheat. You mean like change how much money you have or how much time is left before you get some more? Yeah, the example that I read specifically, there was, for example, a... um, so in a lot of these games, there's like a currency that you get in the game, and then there's a currency that you can buy. Well, there's apparently an XML flag in one of them where you can change what normally costs premium currency to cost the currency that you don't have to pay for with real money. Get it? Nice. So that's a pretty good... You just flip a flag for that one. That's a pretty good one. But, um, you know, other ways, there's actually a, a game... There's a product called Cheat Engine that uh, allows you to hone in... Uh, narrow down uh, what variables are changing that you know of and so you can figure out for example like what the variable is on your computer that's uh, actively in memory that is 
representing uh, how much life you have or how much stamina or something. And then you can just, uh, this program can just intercept and patch that once you narrow it down. And that's really exciting. Okay, so I love this topic. We're going to be, be right back and talk more about this. everyone of our, our website chatterboxgameshow.com it links to our facebook page which is facebook slash chatterbox video game radio um oh also have to mention uat.edu the website for the university of advancing technology because they are what make this show keep going um before the break so you you brought up this idea there are games that cost money that people pirate and it is actually against the law Okay, so that, that that situation is clear because the proposition is you pay the money and you get the product. Yeah, but it, it's gone so far as to – because, like, I can do stuff with computers that get me free things, right? And and in the past, there wasn't a law. But then they made a law. Like, that is duplication. It is considered the same as stealing. Right. And so it is it's actually against the law. You can go to jail or be fined. Not that it ever happens. Um, or get sued for uh, millions of dollars than your net worth would ever be in your life. Yeah, much more likely to get sued civil than uh, than to go to jail. But I guess when people do like in Malaysia or wherever and they're making hundreds of thousands of copies of whatever, that's when people go to jail. Now, um, then there's this, this idea where there's a free-to-play game. You can download it for free. That's part of the business model. And then you just you get data with it, which includes your files, and you can modify it however you want. And there's never been a law that says you can't modify software. Has there? I don't well, think so. I think in some EULAs, they do say that you are not permitted to modify this software. But even using Cheat Engine, okay, this is even a little different because you may not be you're not actually directly modifying the software you're modifying what what it puts in your ram or something yeah you're patching your memory which yeah. you own your memory don't and you? but i mean i hypothetically there could be a eula for that too but a eula is just a license agreement it's not uh, it's not the law so let's think about this right and you and you didn't pay anything you didn't you didn't make any exchange to use one of these products and this is what makes this so interesting. Yeah, I wonder if if a license agreement applies if you didn't pay for it. We sh- we should have had Michaela on this episode. Yeah, but... this this is a that, that's a really good question. So, all right, when you when a game costs money and you steal it or duplicate it um, without without depriving anybody else yeah. directly. So so that is illegal. Uh and the ex- expectation is you can play it if you pay for it. There's a free-to-play game. You can play it for free, but the expectation is you pay for certain things. But sometimes those things are just time, right? Let's let's get this thing that I would have gotten if I waited. Or there's you can buy this item. Or you can unlock certain features. Right. But the most interesting one is, right, like it, it's, not a, it's not even a... I mean, none of these things are physical things, but if you're doing something like buying, t- like buying stamina back or restoring your stamina meter, ooh, I've I've got I've got a better analogy to help okay. us segue into this one. All right. So, outside of free to play, there also is this model of games with downloadable content, which is already either on the disc or in the digital download, right? But just needs to be unlocked, right? So, would it be illegal or considered piracy? to modify the software in such a way that that thing becomes unlocked. So, okay, so that's, I don't, I don't even want, I think it's sticky in terms of to decide whether that's illegal or not, but I do think that it's definitely within the seller's purview to say, I am delivering you a bunch of code and there's stuff in that code that you can't get at right away, but... I'm offering it for sale piecemeal or whatever 
and if you want to use this portion of the software, then you have to pay this money. I think I think that's perfectly within the seller's right because they're choosing the the delivery method, right? Like just because they're giving you a bunch of data doesn't mean that you automatically can do anything with that. Much in the same way that just because you get a game, it doesn't mean that you should be able to play the last level right away. Um, but what if you have the skills to modify it in such a way that you can get to the last level? Yeah, right so away? that's that's the sticky part for me. Is right. that... So this this is great to me because I would argue I bought the disc with the data on it. I have a license to use well, the license is a different story. Like so I I wonder if this could actually be if you could actually be prosecuted criminally for this to just unlock DLC. I don't think you could. I don't think it would fly in, in a you, U.S. court. Do you think that there's ever been a, a corresponding legal situation where uh, there there's an asymmetrical outcome where it's like, because this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that this might actually be, as crazy as it sounds, the most sensible thing. That it's the seller's right to organize and architect how they're selling you those things, however they want. But then... Since they're giving you all that data, you can still do whatever you want with it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. And, yeah. And that's totally asymmetrical, though. You know, something else I wanted to talk about, which I, I think I might, have ref- I might have mentioned on an earlier episode. Uh, I read an article about how, you know, uh, bandwidth is paid for by the companies that, you know, by the ISPs that we pay for Internet. Okay. But traditionally in the U.S., at least for, for home broadband, we don't pay for the bandwidth. We simply pay for unlimited access right. until you use so much that they shut you down or something. So now there's a lot of discussion because there's so much bandwidth being used by the average consumer with Netflix and Hulu and, and all that stuff. And then I actually just read another article about how new consoles, Xbox and PlayStation with their live streaming and uploading of videos and all that, that's changing things as well. But anyway, there's these ISPs are continually looking for ways to change the the fee structure so that you pay uh, for bandwidth. Yeah, but you know what's unpleasant about that? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in almost all the situations, there's they are selling you something that they call unlimited access. And what they do is that they notice that you're using much more than they thought you were. And then they're backpedaling and saying, well, okay, it's not really unlimited now. And that's bait and switch to me. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. That's not the argument I'm making here, though. Okay. Right. So it's just that Right now, we pay for access, but we don't pay for every byte. So what if it changes to the time when when we are paying? Let's say you have to pay an extra $10 for every 50 gigs you download. First oh, of all, yeah, that totally yeah. changes the cost of downloadable games. But that's a totally different question. Now the question is, I've paid for your digital download that has this unlock in it that I have to pay for, except I had to pay for every byte of that. Outside of the relationship between me and the seller, I have another relationship that says, well, I paid for this and you added cost to my life because you included this information in there, even though it wasn't meant for me yet. So now I feel like there's an obligation to the seller. If you're going to pack it in there, then maybe I do have a right to just unlock it. Well, I don't think that follows for me. I mean, no, it's not. It's not so direct. It's clearly it's I, I guess I'm being leading, but um it, it's interesting to me. How could they say, I'm going to do something that that causes you excess fees or causes you excess hardship, you might say, yeah. and then tell you that you can't do anything with that that thing that you had to pay to get, right. even though you didn't pay me. I made you spend money for it unnecessarily. So I would be like, well, screw those guys. I'm unlocking it. I can see how a lot of people would do that for sure. But it's kind of like, right, it's like, well, it's, it's just you're making two different deals and that guy's deal is, not, is actually irrelevant with the other guy's deal. The only problem is you're just getting affected by it. Yeah, well, absolutely. But as it becomes the standard, then the question is, are they, are they morally bankrupt by adding this DLC? Well, the thing uh, that, that even you, complicates it further is that if some of these methods to sell you things are coercive, in other words, if they mislead you, if they if you think that you're getting a right the deal that they're proposing looks like a but that it's actually b and you don't realize that it's b until after you pay the money if they're being so adversarial about the monetary proposition that they're presenting to you well is turnabout not fair play 
uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many people are being so deceptive with it. Or are you just talking about messing with your psychology of making you want to, you know, buy all these things that you don't need? Well, it's, it's like, uh, it's like some of those specific situations in uh, that talk I did a while ago where the game will present you an offer and it'll frame it in a certain way and it'll it'll be misleading so for example you think that there's uh, some you th- you're you're if you're distinctly led to believe that a certain thing that you are offered to purchase is uh a lot more valuable than it really is for example and some some games do that and you don't find out that you don't find out all the details of the deal and why it was bad until after the fact. If they're going to deceive you in that way, and some games do, then then well, why not t- why not be your own vigilante and take justice into your yeah. own hands? Well, th- this extends even further for me now. There's uh, you can modify an Xbox 360 just like you could with the original Xbox. It's harder, but um, you can mess with it in such a way that you get software on there to. You know how all Xbox Live arcade games, right? You could just pay to unlock it, but you get the whole thing. You can get the demo in the first place. Right. So that's like, well, I got this demo, which is technically a free-to-play game, although it's limited in, in how much game there is. And then I'm just use, I'm on my own machine and in my own software that I got you know, properly. I can unlock it and play it for free. I've always thought about that as, as not, not okay. Uh, I agree. It's, I mean, I've, it's exactly the same argument, isn't yeah. it? Well, it is. It is. Uh, so, but I can see why people would want to do that. But here's here's one thing that I found was uh, I was just completely floored by. Okay, King, the people who made Candy Crush Saga, the people who are raking in dough um, so much that uh, every single one of their domiciles, I'm sure, is built fat completely out of money. Apparently, I find this really hard to stomach. Apparently, according to them. 70% of players made it to the end of the game, like beyond 300-some levels, without paying anything at all. What? I have never played that game, so I don't understand the significance of that, but I don't believe that 70% of players ever made it to the end of any game, so period. So that's ever. why I find this hard to stomach. So I think I think that they're exaggerating anyway, because because even if it's something like 50%, 30%, even then, with any lower percentage around that ballpark, there would have to be a lot of people cheating in the game. The implication here is that if this is true, or even remotely true, there's got to be a lot of people cheating in Candy Crush Saga. Now, that, that number is skewed some way, somehow, where it's not actually what they're describing. It's, I guarantee, not 70% of the people, regardless of how it was accomplished, got to the end. Of a game never happened. I wonder. I wonder Not if with some, any game ever. I wonder if they're just some kind of metrics are screwed up, and there's just some kind of massive army of bots somewhere for some weird, nefarious, non-understandable. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back. It is still Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Still 
sponsored by UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. And, by the way, guys, it's, uh, it's Christmas time now, almost. Black Friday just, just happened. Um, we've all seen those fights. You know what I'm really pissed about? What? I'm sorry, I have to interrupt just real briefly. The new, one, of, one of these, like, New York Post or something, they put up a story from 2008. They republished it, like, two days ago. Just the same article about one of the somebody who died in a Walmart. It's funny because I saw people saying you could just post the same pictures or videos from years past, and it'd it'd be the same thing, like regarding the Walmart fights yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I was I was so pissed off because I read the whole thing, and I I'm just like completely. I mean, it's that that one where this army of people ran over this one guy and killed him. Yeah, November Fools. Yeah, and, and I just I just felt really violated that they took advantage of me because I read the whole thing and I thought it just happened and I'm just like, oh, like, then I got all pissed off about Black Friday and what is wrong with people and all this stuff and then someone's like, oh, this is from 2008 and then they go back to the top and I'm like, it's from 2008. <laughs> so uh, how did you come across that? Because they republished it two days ago. Wow. Even though and, and the date is on there, but it's very small and who, it's who in did like that? in like twenty percent gray, so that it's hardly visible. What website did this? And I think it's the New York Post or some New York uh, some 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 New York rag. Well, that's surprising. Yeah. So uh, screw you guys. But there have definitely been new fight videos for Walmart lately, making making the rounds. Um, I was going to use this as a lead-in to advertise HelpChatterbox.com if you're buying on. Amazon, you should just type in Help Chatterbox, and then some of that will will end up with us. And that way you can be sure that you will never be part of a mob or on the receiving end of one. Well, because you're buying it online. I just, uh, you know, help help us out because we do the show. So anyway, getting away from that, all of the sponsorship talk. Um. This this idea that we just closed with in the last segment, um, we don't need to keep going on, but I got to say... It is fascinating to me. We did, we totally skipped by, or I took us away from the whole free to play idea. But um, that that is like I, even if I was the producer of one of those games, I don't think I could blame people for doing that, and I would just have to find a way around letting it happen. Yeah, if you're if you're really if you're really honest about how these products work, yes, for sure. Okay. Okay. I have a topic that I think you'll like even more. Okay. Let's let's do it. We've got we've got about ten minutes left. Okay. So, you remember when we were playing free-to-play Tekken? I do. There was, this was also on Gamma Sutra. There's this piece about um, one of the known competitive players in the community talking about the strategic intricacies of playing something like Tekken free-to-play online. And there's... There's like a this is a whole new world of stuff because what they're talking about is the lag is big enough that strategies and characters that were completely unusable and risky and stupid for a professional player in a regular game now suddenly become viable in a game where you're playing online because of the lag. And this guy's talking about how actually during lag, the the value of characters and the efficacy of their moves changes. It shifts completely so that the risky moves suddenly in a lag, when you're in a lag state become the move you want to do and it's not risky at all. And this leads to really bizarre strategies of play that are most effective for online where in an offline game you would never even consider doing that. So the problem for me is that I am not that good a player that I can understand like how this would actually play out. Right. So this is this is like high level players deeply analyzing online play and then recognizing that oh okay well you know this character or or this move if I use this move normally then it's really bad but when I can tell that the game is lagging this move is suddenly now the most powerful move to do and the most effective one. And it's just become such a bizarre thing. It gets even worse. There's this thing called... Have you ever heard of lag switching? Um, 
I mean, is that like when you try to mess with the server and make it look like something happened that you like you drop that the game dropped instead of you dropping so that you don't get credit for losing or something? No, you induce lag yourself strategically during play in order to win the game. Oh, wow. And I'm just going to read this quote because this is fantastic. Some guys have dedicated devices for this, but most perpetrators have an easy setup where they just have a ton of stuff preloaded on their torrent client. And as soon as they are at risk of losing a match, they just turn on the downloads and flood their connection with data to slow down the match. I don't understand how that would give them an advantage because then they would do that the whole time. Well, they have an advantage because they know the lag is happening and they know when it's happening and when it starts and the other player doesn't. So they're prepared for it. So they adjust their inputs because the main problem with this lag thing is that it's not that it's the lag is inconsistent. The lag varies over the course of the match. How much is it lagging and also changes from moment to moment. Yeah. So if you can predict it, but then I would argue that it's not just when they're about to lose, it's whenever they want, they'll just activate it. So that they can gain an advantage. Well, yeah, I mean, this is like a whole like dimension of technique here now. And it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, I would not want to play with someone like that. Um, I, I, pre- I pretty quickly decided that the game online was pre- pretty useless. Because, um, mostly because I'm inept at playing it. But also because the lag really felt like it was like seconds... Right, like you can't react to things properly when the lag is on the order of seconds. Yeah, I I played Killer Instinct online with a, f- a few people recently, and it it seemed to be all right. But like hypothetically, it seems to me like online fighting games would like that's that's the worst way to play a fighting game because it's yeah. I mean, they call and it Twitch most, for a reason, right? Yeah, and that's what most competitive players would agree with, I think. Yeah. But I was just thinking this morning, I was playing some more Bingo Battle on Pikmin Three this morning and i was wondering again why nintendo didn't just make that online because like that game would be really easily put online i think like there'd be very little where you'd be negatively affected by lag um and i i continually get upset at nintendo for not adding features like that in because for once i actually want to play a game online yeah maybe they were rushing it out (laughs) yeah um you know it's weird because i i generally don't I don't play a lot of games online because I'm just not good enough to compete with people. So it's not fun when you're always losing. Yeah. But now I'm like, well, I'm really good at, at bingo battle. I want to play that online now. And my wife, right when I was about to leave for the show, she was like, oh, man, why didn't I wish I could just play with people online? So she's she's the same way. We're feeling it. And um, it's frustrating to me that Nintendo is not not stepping up in that way. Well, they don't seem to like the online as much as other people. So that might be something. I got I got one last one. How much? Time do we have? Five minutes. Okay. This is. Did you hear about what happened with Twitch on PS4? Uh, yes, I lied. Only three minutes, by the way. The playroom. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about this last no. week. No. Okay. So I mean, how detailed do we want want to get about the guy and his wife, or just people being generally crazy? Uh Well, as detailed as you would like to get. Okay, so the playroom is built into every. PlayStation 4, and it's meant to be something where you use with the camera and like was. little white robots. No, it's still there. It's th- Oh, that's right. Okay, so the what ga- they did was actually... The game is there, but then yeah. you could... If you have the camera, I believe, you can Twitch stream uh, you, know, you playing a game and then take comments from people right. and all that. That's what you cannot do now. Yeah, so now... So Twitch, they, they run their Twitch stream, obviously, and they just said, basically, there's no more streaming through the Playroom software. Like, if you want to stream... Uh, Battlefield 4 or you want to stream Assassin's Creed, that's fine, but we're not going to allow streaming in the playroom because the playroom, the screen... So normally you've got the game screen and then you might have a small window of the people who are playing it because you pointed the camera at yourself. Right. But the playroom, the video screen is you know, you and your living room or wherever it is because that's how the game works. It's one of those alternate reality games where they put some things on the screen and the screen is just you. So that gives you a much bigger... Uh, you know, portal to, to to talk to people and to share whatever's going on. And there was one guy whose wife was like drunk and virtually unconscious and he was um, undressing her and stuff. And I guess people are having sex on on the air, so to speak. Yeah, because if you give, pe- give people a means to broadcast from their living group, guess what they're going to do? Yeah. 
What I, I don't fully understand the whole Twitch thing on PS4 because I thought you could also stream video of yourself anyway, which would lend itself to that. But maybe it's just you can stream the game and not a video of yourself. Do you think they anticipated this and didn't care and wanted to see what would happen? Or do you think that it was just a complete oversight? If, if you can't do video of yourself normally, then I can understand where they would not have anticipated it just because they wouldn't have thought of that, that niche, right? They're thinking of how is it going to run well? How can it... You know, how can we reduce the effect of lag and all that? Which, by the way, we were just talking about lag, and now people are streaming their games all the time. Like, imagine if multiple people playing Battlefield are all streaming their version of the same game. It would just be horrible. I would not want to do that. Play an online game while Twitch streaming it. However, I thought maybe we should Twitch stream through the PS4 us recording the show. We could make comments live and stuff. Sure, why not? Yeah, so we should talk about that after the show. Um, But yeah, I doubt they thought about playroom and it makes sense that they would filter that particular game out you know i didn't know there was this you know there's uh you know how we were watching some girl play when i was over at your place uh some, yeah some battlefield game or it whatever was battlefield 4 and it, the, it was narrated by a girl which made us or me at least think i bet the games that are played by girls get a lot more yeah, apparent, uh, attention than guys games. apparently this is a thing apparently there's girls who are so-called Twitch personalities, and they just play games, and they command an audience of many um, eager men to watch them play Battlefield or whatever. Dude, what what that says about just humanity and us as as men, gaming men, is so weird to me. It's weird because it's the same as you're just hearing a girl's voice once in a while. I don't know. Like, yeah, is this how attention starved or um, other important things starved? I, I guess it proves engaged. that men aren't completely visual, right? Uh, but, but yeah, it it is a little bit wild to me. Although I have to admit, more interested in hearing a woman talk playing the game than a man. Fair I enough. don't understand why. Fair enough. But, all right, well, another episode behind us. We'll be back next week, as usual, and uh, find us on Facebook, Facebook slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Good day, everybody. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.